All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, take our Bible and turn to Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew chapter number 28. And we are going through our series, Continuing in Doctrine. We started this back in 2022, and here it is almost two years later, uh, still in this particular series, but it's a good series. We're just learning Bible doctrine, and there's nothing wrong with that. We're taking our time with it. Um, it's okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not in a hurry to try to get through all of this. We want to take some time to um, make sure we have a good understanding of these uh, major Bible doctrines. And we have been spending quite a bit of time in this doctrine called ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church, and uh, looking at what the Word of God says about this uh, wonderful um, institution, for lack of a better word, that God has ordained. And uh, we have looked at several aspects of it. And uh, we're going to start the sixth aspect of it, which is the ordinances of the church tonight. And uh, the first one we're going to look at is baptism. And uh, there's one other one we're going to look at called the Lord's Supper or communion. And uh, we'll be starting that um, after we're done with baptism. So hopefully next week, but we'll see how it goes. Um, Matthew chapter 28, and uh, we're going to look here in verse number 18, and we're going to read down through verse number 20. Um, But uh, verse number 18, the word of God says this, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And uh, we're going to be looking at the aspect here in verse number 19 of baptizing or baptism. What baptism is, what baptism means, how it should be done, and who should be baptized, and all of those things. Now, uh, someone once said this, Over the centuries, Christians have debated what baptism accomplishes, to whom it should be administered, and how much water should be used. And uh, that's been true. And uh, while um, we, most of us have a pretty good understanding of baptism and and think this is pretty elementary, uh, can we move on to some other things? This still is an area that there is major differences depending on the type of church you are part of. And it's important for us to know what the Word of God says about uh, baptism. Um, Baptism is, uh, sadly, a very controversial subject in churches. And while many debate over it, God's Word is very clear. If you have been saved, then you need to be baptized by immersion in water as soon as possible after salvation. Um, So salvation is first. Um, A lot of people think that uh, baptism is required for salvation, whereas the Bible um, teaches us that salvation comes first, then baptism. And uh, baptism has no saving merit whatsoever. It is not necessary at all for salvation, but it is a very important first step of the Christian life. Uh, Just like when uh, you were born, uh, you had to learn how to walk, before you could really start doing much. Um, and I think Grant just recently took his first steps. I even got to see a video of it on Sunday. And so 
now you may need to have your phone ready after the service, brother, um, because people may want it. And he has his hands up. He's praising the Lord as he's walking around. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty funny. Um, but uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna learn to walk, you've got to take that first step. And the first step for a Christian is baptism. Now, my personal testimony is I was saved when I was 12 years old. I share that story quite a bit. Well, what I don't always share is the fact that I waited four years um, until I was 16 years old to get baptized. And it really, I didn't do a lot of growing in my Christian life between ages 12 through 16. I kind of didn't really grow much at all because I hadn't taken that first step. And uh, baptism is that very first step. And once I did that, then I really started to... Um, grow in my Christian life quite a bit because I had taken that first step. Um, I want to want to take our invite you to take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter number eight here. We're going to get in the outline in just a second, but I want to look at this this particular aspect of when someone should be baptized um, and that they need to be saved first is such a critical aspect of baptism. And uh, we see this uh, really taught very well here uh, through the scriptures um, in Acts chapter number 8. And this is the record of when uh, Philip, the deacon and evangelist, goes, uh, God calls him to uh, talk to this uh, Ethiopian eunuch who is uh, reading the scriptures. He's reading the book of Isaiah chapter 53, and he's saying, what, what does this mean? And if we pick it up here in verse 29, then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou what thou readest? He said, You understand what you're reading there? Because he he noticed what he was reading and he said, Do you understand that? Kind of striking up a conversation. In verse 31, he said, How can I except some, some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Well, the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb, or like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. That's, a, that's right from Isaiah chapter 53. In his humiliation, it goes on to say, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from this earth. And the eunuch answered and said, or answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Well, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And then verse 36 says, As they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, Well, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And so verse 37 is such a critical verse there because it shows us the order in which baptism should be in relation to salvation. Uh, a lot of the, the, the Catholics, for instance, uh, do not believe that you are really saved until you are baptized. And, and here the indication is that you are saved Prior to, you can be saved and you should be saved prior to, um, prior to baptism. Because he said, hey, look, if you believe us with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And, and we know from other scriptures that um, 
for God so loved the world that uh, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, it doesn't say that whosoever is baptized in him, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So um, the Ethiopian eunuch said, I believe, I'm saved, and so now I can get baptized. And that's, that's so important. Why? Because there are a lot of different um, religions um, and slash churches out there that um, baptize infants and children prior to their salvation, prior to them even having an understanding of salvation. And this right here would indicate that, no, 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 you first need to make sure that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You need to be saved first before you get baptized. And that's why we here at Cornerstone do not baptize infants, nor will we ever, uh, because of these biblical truths here. And so wanted to mention that. Um, and, uh, you know, when we, when we look at the thief on the cross, for instance, the thief on the cross, was he, would you say he was saved? Yes or no? Yes. Did he ever get baptized? Yes or no? No, he did not. He didn't come down from the cross and let's go find a baptistry real quick and then finish the crucifixion. No, that didn't happen. He, but, but, but Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I mean, he, he didn't say, well, you need to get baptized first and then you can be with me in paradise. That, that wasn't the message. So for the churches that, that believe that baptism is required for salvation, they're biblically off. And we know from Ephesians chapter 2 that we're not saved by works. We're uh, saved by grace through faith alone. That's the only way we can be saved, not through anything we can do. No religious works, no religious ceremonies. Uh, baptism is really a remembrance of what Jesus did for us and what happened to us. And that's. let's go ahead and jump into the, into the outline here because that explains quite a bit of that. So first, let's talk about the meaning of baptism. What does baptism really mean? Well, first of all, it symbolizes the gospel. It symbolizes the gospel. And if you go back to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we looked at this uh, on Sunday morning, if you recall, we were looking at the gospel and what the gospel is. And the gospel in a nutshell is found here at the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. And in verse number one, again, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And so baptism is a wonderful symbol of what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary and in being buried and the resurrection. So um, it symbolizes first the death. Um, when you have somebody in water, um, we'll picture this arm as water and the person sitting up in the water, standing up in the water and those two form what? They form a cross. And of course, Jesus died on the cross. And so first, it symbolizes the death of Jesus Christ. 
And then we know that when, we, when someone's baptized, they go underneath the water, and that symbolizes, secondly, the burial of Jesus Christ. And praise the Lord, it didn't end there, because that would be a really horrible baptism service if it just ended with the burial, right? Um, if that's all that baptism symbolized, there would be one person baptized, and then that, they'd be like, uh, yeah, I'm not signing up for baptism. I'm sorry, Pastor. You're on your own on that one. Okay, so no, no, no. It didn't end with the burial of Jesus. It, when you come up out of the water, it pictures, thirdly, the resurrection of Jesus. And praise the Lord for that. Um, and it's a beautiful object lesson. Every time someone's baptized, it is a picture of the gospel. It is a picture of what Jesus did for us. Um, but once again, it is not necessary for salvation. It's just a symbol. It's a picture. It's a identification. A lot of times people uh, use the illustration of a wedding ring. Um, I have a wedding ring on right now. And it is showing that I identify and that I belong to my lovely wife, Julie. Now, I can take off the wedding ring. I don't have a wedding ring on right now. Now, am I still married to my wife? Yes. Am I going to be in trouble for not wearing this? Yes. I don't think there's been one time anybody's been like, ooh, he doesn't have a wedding ring on. Hmm, maybe he's available. I don't think that's ever happened one time uh, in my life. But here's the deal. I can put this on Seth right now. I can say, hey, why don't you wear this wedding ring? Does it mean that you're married to my wife? No, uh, that would be unbelievably awkward, right? Um, but... Some people get baptized and they're not saved. And it's like wearing a wedding ring without being, without being married. But when a man gets married and a, wife and a, and a woman gets married, they, they put these wedding rings on and they boldly declare, hey, look, I, I am proud to be identified with you. I am glad to let everybody know that I am taken and I belong to you. And, and baptism is basically the same thing, but even more so, it's saying to this world, hey, no, I, I don't need to wear this in order to be saved, but I don't need to be baptized in order to be saved, but I want to identify with my Savior, and I want to identify with what He did on the cross and show people that I belong to Him. And there's a lot of people who are like, well, I don't want to get my hair wet. <laughs> Um, I understand. I mean, it takes a long time to get my hair looking this good. I understand. I get it. Um, but here's the deal. Um, it is a wonderful opportunity to picture the gospel. And then secondly, not only does it symbolize the gospel, but it also pictures outwardly what took place inwardly in our lives. So baptism isn't just identifying with Jesus Christ, though that is an amazing aspect. It also is a picture of what, uh, what took place with me at the moment of my salvation. When I believed on Christ, when I repented of my sin and believed on the Lord Jesus alone by faith. 
Romans chapter number six. Let's turn over there real quickly. Romans chapter six. Because here Paul is talking about um, what took place with each of us at the moment of our salvation. In uh, Romans chapter number six and verse number three, he says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Now, this isn't exactly water baptism here. It's the spiritual baptism that took place at the moment of our salvation. But here he goes on to say in verse number four, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So here's what happened at the moment of our salvation. Number one, there was the death of the old man. Death of the old man, the one that, uh, I mean, that was, we. he says here in verse number three, uh, we were baptized into his death, and therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. So that's why we often say when we baptize somebody, uh, buried in likeness of his death and raised in likeness of his resurrection. So we have the death of the old man. We have the number two, the burial of the old man. And then praise the Lord, number three, the resurrection of the new man. So our dead man, our old man, I'm sorry, was, was crucified with him. That's why when, when Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, that's what happened when uh, we were saved. The old man was crucified with him and, and, and it was buried. And then we are to walk in newness of life, the resurrection of the new man. So that's what baptism is. So it symbolizes first the gospel of Jesus Christ, but then it also pictures outwardly what took place inwardly at the moment of our salvation for each and every one of us. So that's the meaning of baptism, but let's talk secondly about the method of baptism. And this one is also very controversial because you go to certain churches and they will uh, have a little bowl there and the priest or the um, bishop or whoever may be will take his fingers and kind of put it in there and then and then sprinkle it on the top of the head and that's what they call sprinkling there's other uh, there's another mode where they'll uh, take a pitcher of water and then they'll pour it over your head and that's called pouring but we here at cornerstone baptist church and as baptists we believe in full immersion full immersion and the reason for it is, first of all, um, the Greek word for bapti baptism um, is the Greek word baptizo, and it literally means to dip, to plunge, to immerse. So the word itself, baptism, gives the idea that it's not just you go have somebody sprinkle I mean, I, and I do this. We were at Silver Dollar City um, on the uh, on that one ride. If you've ever been there, that one ride where you are on this little boat and you go through and you have the gun and you shoot these targets. Well, I always tick my hand. They they say not to do this. To get your hand, keep your hands inside the boat at all times. Well, there's water right there, and my family members are in the boat, and I have to take some water and splash them, even though it's so cold. Um, I have to do that. Okay. That does not give the idea of baptism to dip, to plunge, to immerse, does it? But that's what some churches do. They, they, they think we're going to baptize you by um, just sprinkling water over you. 
or taking a pitcher and pouring it over your head. That's not the, that's not the, even the word baptism uh, means to dip, to plunge, to immerse. Okay, let me uh, give you this thought here from Colossians chapter number two. Let's, let's turn over there. Um, and as we're turning there, I'll give you the, the blank there. Immersion pictures, best pictures, the three aspects of the gospel. Immersion best pictures the three aspects of the gospel. And in Colossians chapter number 2 and verse number 12, it says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. So here's another reference referring to baptism and the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And, and once again, I mean, you have the water there, you have the candidate being baptized, and it pictures the cross where Jesus died. When they go underneath, it pictures the burial, and when they come out, it pictures the resurrection. Pouring and sprinkling don't even come close to picturing the gospel. Now, let's also look at a couple other references in the scriptures. Let's go to John chapter 3. John chapter number 3 and verse 23. John chapter 3 and verse 23. And this is when Jesus was baptized. Okay, and verse 22 says this, After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Aon an near to Salem because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. Okay, so uh, letter B here is there was need of much water in John chapter 3. There was much water there. I mean, you don't really need much to pour. You don't really need all that much to sprinkle. But if you're going to have full immersion then you need much water. And that was the case here in verse number 23. And then let's go down again, to, back to Acts chapter number eight real quickly. Acts chapter number eight and verse 38. Remember Philip, or I mean the eunuch said, hey, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And and. Philip said, If thou believest the law in thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So verse 38, And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water. And then if you go back in verse 36, he says, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? So what happened there? Was it just sprinkling? Was it just pouring? Uh, no, uh, it was full immersion. And you go to Acts chapter number 16. Let's, we don't need to do that. Um, that's, that's a little more difficult because that passage is when the, uh, the jailer there at Philippi who said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Uh, Paul and Silas, they both said unto him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And then it goes on to say that they were baptized that same night. So how did that happen? Where did that happen? Well, it could be that they had some type of a pool. They had some type of a bathtub type situation. Um, and then they were able to do it there. Um, it's, it's, a, it, 
that's not a proof text for immersion, although I believe that immersion still took place there. Um, but the method of baptism is important because it best pictures the three aspects of the gospel. The other methods used do not. Um, and we already know the Greek word uh, means to immerse, full immersion. But let's talk uh, number three here about the motives of baptism. Why should somebody get baptized? Well, first of all, uh, I would say, first of all, and really this we could stop with this one, but obedience is the main reason, the first reason for somebody to get baptized. Um, we know and we read at the very beginning our text verse in Matthew chapter 28 that we are to baptize people. We're going to teach them, teach all nations, and then baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy, Holy Ghost. All right, well, at that point... Um, it's an obedience matter. It's a matter of obedience for the church to go and baptize people, but it's also a matter of people being willing to be baptized, a matter of obedience for them as well. And so um, obedience is important, and uh, when the Lord commands something, we need to be obedient and submissive to His uh, Word in that way. James chapter number 4 um, we looked at a few weeks ago as we concluded our series in the book of James, but James chapter number, uh, where is it? Uh, James chapter four, uh, in verse number 17, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. A lot of times we think that sin, again, is the sin of uh, commission, where you do something wrong that you know is, is wrong, but here he says, it's also sin to not do something you know you should do. And baptism is something that God does want for and desire for his people after they have been saved. So if you're here and you haven't been baptized, but you've been saved, um, why should you get baptized? Well, because God says so, and you need to be obedient. Um, and uh, that's really, we could stop with that one because uh, that should be our heart to obey the Lord and want to be submissive to Him. Um, he is now our Lord. Um, you know, He's not just our ticket to heaven and I get to do my own thing now. No, no, it, he, he, he wants to be our Savior and our Lord. And, our, and, and the Lord has the right to tell us what to do. And we have the responsibility then to um, obey Him. Okay, another motive for baptism, why should I desire to get baptized, is because of love for my Lord. John chapter number 14. And a lot of us are familiar with this particular verse here, John chapter 14 and verse number 15. Um, says, if you love me, then do whatever you want to do. No, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And one of the things that he has instructed us and commanded us to do is following our salvation. We need to follow him in baptism. And I often tell people when they're looking to get baptized, um, when, when you get baptized, that's, that's one, of the, one of the things that you can do just like Jesus did, because Jesus got baptized. 
And, and when you follow him in believer's baptism, you're doing something that Jesus did. But he's also commanded us to do that. And, um, you know, a lot of us would say, oh, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And wearing a shirt that says, I love Jesus and um, broadcasting it all over social media that you love Jesus is great and wonderful. I'm not saying you shouldn't do any of those things, but really the way to show that you love Jesus is to keep his commandments, to be obedient. Kind of goes back to that uh, first one there. But, but love should motivate us to want to do that. And then, and then one more here, um, joy. Joy. There is tremendous uh, joy for those who do follow the Lord in baptism. If you go to Acts chapter number 8, this back to this um, record of the Ethiopian eunuch once again. We've been over here a few times tonight already, but if you go to verse 37, once again, Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And then verse 39 is interesting. It says, when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Astos and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now, in looking at this passage, I think the context of who it was that went on his way rejoicing was the Ethiopian eunuch who was saved and then who got baptized. I think the context, and when you look at it, it indicates that he was the one who walked away, went away, went on his way rejoicing like, wow, that was amazing. I was reading the scriptures and here I am, this guy comes out of nowhere and he runs over to me out of the blue and he asked me, do I understand what I'm reading? And I'm like, uh, no, I need someone to help me. Can you show me? And, and, and he gives me the gospel. He talks to me about Jesus. And, and then I want to get baptized. And he's like, well, you can. And so long as you believe, so long as you're saved. And he says, I believe that Jesus. And, and, and we got, I got baptized. And then all of a sudden, this guy who was with me is like, he literally disappears. Because that's what happened in verse 39. The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. How, can, Pastor, can you explain how that happened? Nope. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Other than what it says right here. I really believe that, you know, beam me up, Scotty. I mean, something along those lines. But legitimate, not fake, not Hollywood. Um, the Spirit transported Philip from there and brought him to Astus. I don't know how he did it. I don't know what it looked like. I don't know what it sounded like. I don't know. Um, but Philip wasn't there anymore, but the Ethiopian eunuch was there, and he was like, you know what? Man, this was the greatest day of my entire life. And he went on his way rejoicing. There was joy in his heart because he had followed the Lord in doing what he wanted him to do. And when you and I follow the Lord and finally submit to the Lord's leadership in our life, I guarantee it brings joy every time. It may not be easy, like 
the Lord's calling you to do something and it's difficult and you, you've, been, you've been hesitating on it for a while and then finally you give in and you go, man, this is going to be a difficult step, but I'm going to do it. There, even though it may be difficult, there's peace and joy in your heart because you know you're doing what God has instructed and led and guided in. Um, and so I just want to encourage maybe those of us who uh, maybe if you're here and you've never been baptized to make this decision to get baptized, it is a very important decision. It is the next first step in the life of a Christian. So if you're here and you've not been baptized, I want to encourage you with to have the, the same mentality that the Ethiopian eunuch in verse number 36, he says, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? I'm going to like, what's, what's stopping me from doing what God wants me to do? If there's something hindering me, let's get rid of whatever is hindering me. That obstacle that may be standing between me and following the Lord. I want to remove that because I want to fully follow Christ with my life. It may be baptism for you. Maybe it's something completely different. And uh, I realize most of us here are already baptized after our salvation and I'm thankful for that truth. But if you're here and there's something else that God wants you to do that you've been hesitating on, can I encourage you to still adopt that same mentality? Hey, see, here is what God wants me to do. What doth hinder me to do what God wants me to do? What's stopping me? And whatever's stopping me, be willing to remove that obstacle from your life. I don't know what it is. Is it tithing? Is it giving? What doth hinder me from giving, being faithful to give? Well, I don't know if I can afford it. Can I kindly say, I don't know that you can afford not to give, really. Uh, when you look at the biblical promises that God has for those who are faithful to give, why wouldn't you want to do that? So remove some of those obstacles, whatever's stopping you from doing whatever it is that God's been putting in and, and, and poking at you on, have the mentality, hey, I'm going to remove all those obstacles. I'm not going to let anything hinder me from doing what God wants me to do. So we've looked at the meaning of baptism, the method of baptism, the motives of baptism. Um, salvation comes first, and the who of baptism is someone who has uh, followed or, or believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, someone who has been saved first. There's one other aspect about baptism that we see in the New Testament and particularly in the book of Acts. When somebody gets saved, how long do, do they wait before they get baptized? And it does seem like it's a very much an immediate situation. That's not to say that we need to rush people into, you know, Hey, you got saved right now? Let's get you in the baptistry right this second. Um, you know, because that's what happened in Acts chapter number two. Go back to Acts chapter two and verse number, um, verse number 37. Here, Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost, and he says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the men, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are far off, 
even as many as the Lord our God shall call. With many other words, they testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. And then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So it was, it, was the same, it was the same day. Now, I'm, I'm not for, again, rushing people through decisions just so that we can say, we had so many people baptized. Aren't we so great of a church? I want to make sure people understand what they're doing. I want to make sure that there's an understanding of salvation first. But there also is the other extreme where we just wait forever and, until we have a complete understanding of the whole Bible. Um, that's going to be a long time before that happens. So let's, let's be swift to obey the Lord, but let's be thorough in our understanding. And as a church and as a pastor, I want to make sure that we have an understanding, that I'm not just rushing people through a process uh, just so that we can have a bunch of numbers. That's not my, that's not my mentality. I want to make sure there's an understanding of what people are doing. And so whenever we do have somebody who says, hey, I'd like to be baptized, uh, we spend some time visiting, uh, talking about that. Uh, we don't just rush people and say, great, let's get it scheduled. We, we explain it, but let's do it as quickly as we can. And really, that should be our mentality with anything the Lord has for us, to not delay, to not just put it off and postpone it and procrastinate obedience to the Lord. It should be something that we do uh, immediately, as soon as we possibly can. And uh, that's what the heart of the Ethiopian eunuch was. What doth hinder me? Hey, I see a bunch of water. Why can't I follow the Lord right now in baptism? And uh, Philip said, well, first we need to make sure you understand salvation. He's like, I understand salvation. All right, let's go down into the water and have full immersion baptism. And so that's a great, uh, a great story there, a great record uh, for us to uh, look at regarding baptism. Well, Baptism is one of the ordinances that God has given to the local church. And really, only those within, only those um, who have the, it should only be done through the authority of the local church. In other words, you know, just, just some random person who's not even a member of a church goes and says, hey, can I baptize you? No, you, it needs to be done through the authority of, of the local church. That's, that's key because the Lord's given that the great commission to the church. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. He doesn't give that just to general Christians. He gives that to his church. Um, and that's, that's very important. Um, so the first ordinance that God's given to the local church, baptism. Second one we'll talk about next week.